0: Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood. Being an ER doctor or someone working on the front line is challenging at the best of times. Throw in a global pandemic and it takes challenging to a whole new level. Today we're joined by Dr. Mark Bruce. He's an emergency medicine physician in Wisconsin. He's also traveled with the International Medical Ministry in Central America, Asia, Europe and Africa and led many teams into the Asian disaster zones for medical relief work. And in addition to clinical duties, Mark is the ambassador to Belize and Canada for the American College of Emergency Physicians. He'll share with us his story, what it's like being an ER doctor during a pandemic and how his faith helps him get by. That's today on Connections. Today, we're joined by Dr. Mark Bruce. He's an emergency medicine physician in Wisconsin. Today, he'll share his story with us and what it's like to be an ER doctor during a pandemic. Tell me a little bit more uh, about yourself and how you got into the world of healthcare.
1: Yeah, well, I grew up as uh, one of three boys. Uh, My father was a Baptist minister in the Midwest, the United States. And uh, early in my life, you know i uh i always admired physicians you know we had physicians in our churches and and so it was always uh, an admirable profession from my perspective and it was a way to really i saw to help people at a very uh essential level of need and so that's why i i i think i gravitated towards that i think that there was a sense, really, of calling because you know I had I was brought up to be uh, a person of faith and and I, I I think that there was really a clear sense of divine calling in this process too and then kind of that combined with uh, a couple of personal tragedies uh, one was. My father uh, died of a brain tumor. Whenever he was 45 years of age, he was a very, very articulate man, a World War II Navy veteran, serving on an aircraft carrier in the Pacific. And he was—he um, he, when I was 18, uh, he passed after a, a brief illness of about nine months. And I was around the healthcare profession at that time a lot, uh, and. Uh, quite frankly, at that young age, kind of felt uh, somewhat helpless uh, in the face of of uh, what my father was going through. And so I, I wanted to be able to um, help people kind of again at that level. So it was that, that combination of facing that need and also that sense of calling, I think, that kind of pulled me towards medicine. The other thing is that I was always really good at science. Science was always something that fascinated me, especially medical science, biologic science. I was a chemistry major whenever I was in college just because uh, it made sense to me. And I was uh, a good student uh, and applied myself in large part, again, because of my parental upbringing. They, they brought me up to uh, have that sense of stewardship for my giftedness in the area of, of study So it was, I think, kind of an amalgam of all of those different things that really uh, uh, caused me to feel this tug towards medicine.
0: We're now in the midst of a pandemic that uh, it's something we didn't really expect to probably ever deal with most of us in our lifetime. Um, How has this been for you?
1: I think you're right. Uh, It was something that You know, we look back 100 years ago at the uh, pandemic of the Spanish flu, uh, and, you know, my my assumption kind of going forward was, well, you know, that was then, and now we're a lot smarter. We've got a lot more technology. We've got the ability, uh, in terms of surveillance tools, to ward off anything like this again, or at least be able to contain it sooner than what we did. And So I I was a little bit surprised at that and continue to be kind of interested and uh, not not necessarily surprised, maybe that's not the right word to say, but impressed by what we're dealing with. And it is a novel virus. It's something that is unknown, uh, or it was unknown until four or five months ago. It, It, As a result of that, Uh, You know, it's because we didn't have any vaccine, we didn't have any effective recognized treatment, it created uh, a lot of anxiety, I think, on the part both of patients and also of the medical community itself. So that's that's kind of where we find ourselves, really, at this point in time.
0: And and speaking of that anxiety, I know the numbers are out of this world in the U.S. Thankfully, our numbers are still relatively low up here in Canada, but um, that's causing like you said, anxiety and all this stress amongst those who have to work on the front lines. What is it about this pandemic that it is causing people's mental health to go downhill?
1: It's a great question, Colleen. And, and, you know, I am seeing a lot of mental health issues in the emergency department. I think all of us eMERGE doctors are seeing that across the board. A lot of that is due to uh, societal changes that are related to this, a lot of changes related to just the way that we live our lives, not being able to go out, not being able to see the people that we normally would see. But I think for those patients that have underlying mental health challenges or mental health diseases, this is something that is really amplifying a lot of those symptoms And causing a lot of people, I think, to discard some of their baseline treatment. And at least that's what I've seen uh, here in in my practice. And I I practice at what we call a critical access hospital or a rural facility here in Wisconsin. I spent most of my career at a suburban facility uh, with a very, very high intensity, high acuity practice.
0: Are you seeing many uh, COVID patients yourself
1: then? not seeing many but we are seeing some again we are again in a area where there's not the population density that you see in the big urban centers like new york uh detroit chicago areas where they're really hot spots uh you know rural areas suburban areas uh, i I think are a little bit more protected just because of that population density aspect and also because I think people are a little bit more vigilant in terms of their health care in general. They're more respectful and they have more opportunity to facilitate the social, the, the physical distancing uh, that has been really very effective in terms of trying to contain this disease, at least as that first step.
0: So, for healthcare workers in those hot spots like Detroit, Chicago, um, New York, a lot of them are really, really feeling this anxiety. These healthcare workers just are at a point of, like, what do I do now? Um, why are they feeling that way? I know, especially in a place like New York or Detroit, they do see a lot of chaos in their emergency rooms, COVID or not. What is it about this pandemic specifically that is really, really um, touching a nerve for them?
1: Well, this is an anomalous stress. We're used to being working in this stressful environment that we call uh, an emergency department. And give us a heart attack. We know what to do with that. Give us a car accident. We know what to do with that. Give us somebody who's really, really uh, badly infected with some type of bacterial infection who's septic. We know what to do with that. But here we're faced with something brand new, that we have no effective recognized protocol in terms of treatment, and this is something where we get our giggles and grins in eMERGE medicine by finding a problem and fixing it. Well, we can find this problem, but we we can't fix this. We know what to do in terms of initial treatment, that's primarily those that are really sick with this, in terms of administering oxygen, trying to optimize oxygen exchange, but beyond that, in terms of actually an effective treatment, boy, it's, it's elusive at this point in time. It's going to take some time because, again, this is a novel virus. This is something new. It'll take probably, you know, another 9 to 12 months for us to develop an effective vaccine. You know, with the influenza strains, the parainfluenza type of viruses, influenza A, influenza B, we actually have some pretty good pharmaceutical tools for that. But we don't have that yet for this. Now, having said that, we're seeing some very promising outlooks in terms of some clinical trials of medications that we're gathering that data on. You make good decisions in terms of treatment when you have good data, and it just takes some time to be able to do that. But in that time lag, here we are in the midst of overwhelming demand and overwhelming suffering and not able to do anything about it. And that is, that's depressing. And that's why we just had last week a very prominent New York physician, uh, a young lady who was directing one of the big emergency departments in New York City commit suicide. And shortly after that, it was recognized, hey, this is a real problem for healthcare providers. And a national suicide hotline specifically directed towards physicians was opened up.
0: So how do we keep physicians, nurses and other people that are working, like you said, tirelessly around the clock, seeing death on a daily basis now and, and not being able to help these people? How do we keep them on top of that and not lead them down the road of a death by suicide?
1: So, Lane, I was uh, I, I've, I've done a lot of disaster relief work in faraway places, especially in the Asian disaster zones. And I was actually over in Asia during the SARS epidemic about uh, 18 years, 17, 18 years ago. So I saw a lot of this kind of anxiety and this the panic that this type of pandemic will produce. But I will tell you that I, I think faith, is a big part of having, ha- helping to really keep this in perspective. Those of us that are people of faith, we can, with great comfort, go to the Holy Scriptures, especially in the book of Philippians in the New Testament, where Paul writes. And, you know, you, you understand that Paul is writing this letter from jail, and he's a, a prisoner because of his faith. But in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, it talks about what I, I term the believer's antidote for anxiety. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. So that, that brings me great comfort, and I think for anybody going through this kind of anomalous stress where you do feel helpless and you you get depressed, I go back to that. And the other thing is that a few verses later, he talks about how we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And again, writing this from a jail cell. So the context and the words, basically, of that Holy Scripture, I think, are are of great help. The second thing that I think is, from a a very practical perspective— and from a therapy perspective, it's of great help just to talk to somebody about this, talk to somebody about the way that you're feeling and, and about the frustration that you feel. Those two things, I think, again, a grounding us, being grounded in faith or being a returning to faith of our fathers, and then being able to, out of that feeling of helplessness, being able to reach out to other people and, and talk to somebody about this.
0: And do you do many of your colleagues have that faith aspect or, or is this something that you've had to share with them to try to to help uh, guide others along the way, whether near uh, with you in Wisconsin or people you've worked with in the past?
1: Well, yes and no. I mean, I think that there are some people that do. I think that more and more people are recognizing that there is a power beyond themselves but i think it's something that we've we've become you know in our technological societies we've we've become almost inoculated against faith because we we haven't needed god because we've got a vaccine or we've got some medication that we can take for this or that but when when you don't have anything that kind of forces us to refocus on what we really have had all along and that is a reliance on god we always have this, this space in our, our hearts and our souls that is occupied only by God, and he, he made us that way. He created us, basically, to have fellowship with Him and to know Him, and He went out of His way to provide a mechanism for us to do that, and that is through our redemptive faith in Christ, and Christ's sacrifice on our behalf for our own sinful nature. I know a lot of my colleagues kind of look at religion in general and thinking, gee, that's just a crutch. Well, you know, if you've got a broken leg, you need a crutch. And all of us in the human race have a broken leg in the terms of our own sinful nature. So uh, it's, it's in that sense, I think it's, it's an opportunity for all of our colleagues, both in medicine and all of our, uh, the patients that we're seeing, to have a great awakening and to go back to, again, the faith of our fathers.
0: Dr. Bruce, for our listeners that are frontline workers up here in Canada, what would you say to them, the ones that are kind of at the end of their rope and they don't know what to do anymore as they deal with the COVID-19 pandemic?
1: You're going through the same thing that many other people are going through. We can look back through history. We can look back through scripture history and understand that there were great men of the Bible that went through depression and feeling like, God, kill me. You look at Elijah. You look at Moses. I mean, these great men of God, how at times they were overwhelmed. And through that overwhelming experience, you know, they reached out to God. And God gave them some very practical uh, advice in terms of how to deal with this. First of all, you get some rest. Whenever you're tired, you get some rest. And number two is that you do the things that physically will nourish you. You have a good diet. You eat. You keep yourself well hydrated. And then you basically talk to somebody. And, and, and the, the uh, just like I mentioned, it's, it's very, very helpful to, to articulate your feelings to somebody. And that's very th- therapeutic in and of itself. So first of all, I would just say that you're not alone, that there's a lot of us that are going through this same thing, but that there's help. There's help available, spiritual help, and it's very important to address that spiritual aspect of health in general. And there's also help from therapists, there's help from co-workers, there's just practical things, again, that you can do to try and take care of yourself and optimize your own physical health, too.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Bruce. Remember, if you want to listen to the full conversation again, you can always do that by visiting your radio station's website. We'll talk to you again on Connections.